0: All my life, i felt powerless. I've never stood up for myself. But then, everything changed.
1: You died, but you were reborn. By accepting all of who you are, you can be free. She's very self-confident, almost angry. This person doesn't like to play by all the rules. Amateurs. Thief Sage jumps around like a cat. What should we call her? Catwoman. You heard of her?
0: Oh yeah. Hot. Black leather. Whip. (laughs) I might not be a hero, but I'm certainly not a killer. Looking back on it now, dying was the best thing that ever happened to me.
1: Ciao people, and welcome to our 107th episode of Happiness and Darkness, the superhero movie podcast, where we discuss superhero movies from Marvel, DC, Dark Horse Image, and more. If it came from a comic and had theatrical release, you know we'll discuss it. Naturally, there will be spoilers, folks, so you have been warned. I'm one of your co-hosts, DJ Nick, and today we'll be discussing... Catwoman, and we're here today to discuss this so far only solo Catwoman film. Returning to the podcast is the one and only David Proctor. Hey, David, welcome back. How are you doing?
0: Hey, I'm great. How are you? I, I'm doing awesome. I uh, hope you are doing the same.
1: I'm doing wonderful thanks, David, and it's super awesome to have you back on the podcast for sure. And I definitely admire your bravery for today's movie, and we will get into that as we progress. But first, of course, we are, of course, discussing Catwoman from 2004, directed by Pitoff, who has only directed one other film, as he's known mainly as a visual effects director, and that film is Vidoc. I actually checked it out. It's an interesting kind of thriller, French uh, revolution kind of story, but it's a little bit weird. The story was by Teresa Rebeck, John Brancato, and Michael Ferris. These two were also responsible for the screenplay alongside John Rogers, while the original score was by Klaus Badelt. Now, unless but put in today's money, this movie cost $144 million to make and made $118 million at the box office. So... Saying flop, I guess, is a safe word when it comes to this movie. So let's get to first impressions here, Dave. Did you actually see this film at the theater? Uh, And uh, if not, um, what are your first impressions of this film on your first watch and your rewatch?
0: You know, I really don't remember if I saw it at the theater. I assume I did, Mm -hmm. because that was kind of early in the day of owning a whole bunch of movies. But yeah, uh, I believe I did. I really—it it wasn't a movie that had a great impact on my life back then. Where I was like, "Oh man, you remember going to see that?" Um, I'm sure I saw it in the movies. That's all we do in the little small town: <laughs> <laughs> movie, dinner, movie, hot springs, movie. <laughs> That's all there is to do.
1: And uh, what were your what were your initial thoughts? You know, rewatching it recently, are you? What did you think of this film?
0: Well. You know how they say if you're uh, if you're doing an experiment, observing the experiment affects the outcome. Well, that's part of the problem with doing a podcast or something where you got to really watch something. I like the movie, and now that I've watched it two or three times for the podcast, I like it less. (laughs) It's like you know you don't notice the imperfections until uh, until you've. uh, uh, really studied and studied for him. I, I think the movie was fine um, in the sense that, what do you want to watch? Oh, Catwoman's on. Hey, it's Halle Berry. Let's watch it. But it wasn't anything that was going to get accolades or something you're going to uh, write it down as one of my favorites or anything like that. It's one of the, you know... Um, The weekend it came out, there were two other big movies out there. I read what they were, iRobot and uh, something else. And it came in third. So so it had some big competition. And I remember seeing those. I just don't, um, it didn't stick out in my head so much as I can remember where I saw it. But watching it again, eh. but I own it. It's in my collection, so it must have been worthy of at least that level,
1: right? I guess so. And I have to be honest. I mean, this had been a film I was purposefully avoiding. As regardless of the allure of Halle Berry in tight black leather, I had not heard particularly good things about this. So this was actually my first watch. And I have to be honest, as beautiful and sexy and gorgeous and alluring Halle Berry does look like in this film... That is really all it's about. I mean, this film spends more time flattering and sexualizing Hallie rather than actually giving us a compelling and good story. And to be honest, I'm not surprised that this film has been lambasted so much and is considered one of the bottom of the barrel films in the superhero movie realm. And I'm sure it probably did not help DC much at the time in 2004. Granted, a certain certain movies still had to come out, but. Yeah, I was not particularly thrilled with this one, I must say. So speaking of the lady from Cleveland, Ohio, let's start by looking at our titular character, Miss Halle Berry, of course, as Patience Phillips' Catwoman. So when it came to our titular character, um, Dave, what did you make of our Patience Phillips?
0: You know, I thought she was fine. And we made this point before we started recording That um, this is not even a secondary character. It's a tertiary character at best. And you don't know if you're not a big fan of Batman and other DC comics. You're not going to know who she is. So I didn't know who she was. And you go in and you really don't know who she is coming out of it. And you're like, I think she was part of Batman. So... What I can say about her when I went in there is she's like anybody else on the street. She's a uh, uh, Jane Doe. She's just she's she could be anybody, which maybe that's what they were going for. She doesn't stand out. I mean, she wanted to be an artist, but she's she's doing this thing for the uh, advertisement company there for the for the face cream. But. How many of us have the job we dreamed of when we were in school? That's where most of us are. Uh, you know, I wanted to be an astronaut, but you know, I drive a truck, and that's that's how most of us are. So you know, she was pleasant. Um, she's insecure and doesn't want to speak up for herself, and which contrasts when she gets the confidence. So I, I you know, they had they laid a foundation for uh, the Clark Kent side of her kind of aspect. So I thought she was fine. But when you have a character like that, okay, let's make the contrast awesome. So that's kind of where I think it messed up.
1: Mm, And I'm actually curious, were you um, surprised that they went with, should we say, almost a fictional version of Catwoman, Patience Phillips and not Selina Kyle? Or did this this was like didn't matter to you? I mean, were you expecting it to be Selina Kyle?
0: Well... I'll be honest with you. I was a Marvel guy growing up, and I I know there was a Catwoman. <laughs> I know there was a Catwoman because there was a Catwoman on the old Batman TV show. There was a Catwoman in the uh, how do we, I don't know how we refer to them the Batmans of the '79 on uh, Michael Keaton and so forth. Those, oh yeah, those and Batman four. Returns. Yeah, there's a Batman. There's a Catwoman in that. So I knew of her, but I wasn't. Really sure? Was she a hero, or she a villain, or she something else? So I, I don't know. I didn't going into it. I didn't know you could have given her any name, and I didn't, I wouldn't have picked up on it. But the one thing about making movies like this is you can't appeal just to the comic book guy. You've got you've got because what I mean, there's a lot of comic book guys, but the majority of the planet isn't comic book guy. So you got to make the movie sellable to the general public. And I went in and I didn't know any of the background. So I was open to whatever. And, you know, it's good enough for what it was.
1: Oh, no, well, totally. And I know that, you know, you make a good point that she could be anybody, which might actually be why some folks actually enjoyed this film, because I have heard from some people like I love this film you know, and especially from women. So I wonder whether, you know, the fact that she could be you, you know, you, the viewer is maybe, maybe is one of the stronger points of this film. But part of me, I have to say is almost relieved as a, you know, a DC comics reader that we did not get Selena Kyle in this film. Though there is a nice homage to her as played by Michelle Pfeiffer in the photos that patience is shown of the various cat women that came before her. So. That was kind of neat, that makes that Catwoman canon, as the origins of this one are just as weird and possibly more inexplainable, as from my understanding, patience is given the abilities of a cat because an Egyptian Mau cat sits on her chest and breathes on her? Okay! And <laughs> I mean, I get that Midnight, the cat in question, is supposed to possess some kind of occult powers. But it seemed really weird. Also, is it just me or does patience come to grips with her powers very quickly? That seemed a little bit rushed. I don't know. I mean, did you feel that she like suddenly masters this stuff? I mean, granted, okay. We can't be here for hours movie wise, but did it seem, didn't it seem to you like she adjusted very quickly to this, you know, new persona almost.
0: Well you know i am going to take the um defense position <laughs> she <laughs> okay. she does but if you if, if you remember it was almost like there were two people in her head hmm. so the one person in her head that's patience didn't know anything about it and then the the other person who's the catwoman she she had the powers she knew the powers so those two personalities had to merge for them to be successful. But So yeah, I think when she switched into cat mode, it's kind of like that split personality thing, and it just was. The, um, the interesting part, I thought, was – well, let me, let me back up off of that for a minute. You were talking about she gets the powers because the cat breathed in her. Well, there's an old wives' tale. People wouldn't have cats in their homes when they had babies because they thought the cats would come and steal their baby's breath which is ridiculous cats will cuddle up with you and even sit on your chest and i guess that's what they think and i guess that would make it for a baby hard to breathe but they you know they've always had this idea of cats having superpowers. i mean what do you say about a dog the dogs have this opinion these humans they petty me, pet me, pick up my poops and do all these things for me. We must be gods. So, cats have been revered, and like they said in the movie, you know, even the Egyptians thought of them as gods. So, I mean, that lore goes way, way back. And cats aren't fully domesticated even now, so they've always had that ability to kind of run their own thing and be independent and. All of that. So the mythology kind of plays out. And I guess people are enough familiar with cats to kind of figure out that, okay, she has the power of a cat. Well, what do cats do? And kind of put it on her. And I can see how it played out all except for the whip. I can Mm. see the cats. I've never seen a cat pick up a whip. But (laughs) they do do weird things that you can't explain otherwise. Mm.
1: No, true. I mean, I I get that. And also, the other thing I have to point out is how many times have we seen the trope of a harried and untidy woman suddenly become super hot after they are given powers or something like that happens? You know, recently we saw it in Cheetah from Wonder Woman 1984. Previously, obviously, we've seen it in things like Batman Forever. I mean, it was a bit of a trope, which I was like, okay, fine, you get the powers, and you're like, you go to being so untidy and your hair's in a mess, and everything was to be slickly dressed, your hair's nicely done. It's like, okay, so you have to get superpowers to go from like kind of bum to hot. Okay. Other than that, I mean, Hallie does do well with what she's given. And I do feel she does somewhat represent female empowerment coming from a woman who's like initially meek and mild, like you were saying, stuck in a job which she's not particularly happy with and is hoping to move on to bigger and better. And it was somewhat reminiscent of the journey that Selina Kyle goes on in Batman Returns without the psychotic breakdown. And it did seem that at first the writers, like you were saying, were going to go with the dual personality, as after her first and only heist, mind you, Patience returns some of the jewels she stole except I believe for the necklace and the ring which she liked But after that the jewel thief of the side of the character is completely abandoned and it becomes a quest for revenge I'm like, okay a little abrupt, but I suppose that works and in the middle of all this Why not throw in a potential love interest which ends up not working and apparently Patience tells Tom that she'll stay behind bars And Catwoman will continue to do her thing, which I'm unsure what that actually is. Is she going to fight crime? Is she going to steal? What's she going to do? And it's just not clear. And I suppose they want to leave it ambiguous, but I just did not get it. I mean, you start out as a thief, then you go on your revenge. It's like, make up your mind, gal. I'm not getting this.
0: (laughs) Well, one thing about casts, they're not consistent. (laughs) True. They they come up to you and pet me, pet me, and then three seconds later they're like, yeah, stop petting me, and scratch you or bite you. But uh, there's all kinds of little things in it that were like, what? Wait a minute, what? Um, I thought she was attractive with the long hair, personally. Mm-hmm. I was more amazed that her superpowers gave her the ability to professionally quaff her hair. <laughs> Not so much that she had, uh, you know, now she's hot because she's a cat. Now she she moves seductively and stuff like that because she's a cat. I get that. And it also took out her... Uh, it gave her a more bold presentation. So that that I, I, I liked. But uh, I will tell you, the outfit she made, first of all, and I'm going to bring up the whip again, she goes... She doesn't have anything to wear, so she goes and she's got a box marked uh, dating emergency. All right, the leather jacket, the leather pants, I get it. This is something you're saving for something special. I get it. Oh, that's cool. But was the whip in there too? I mean, is, is a whip part of your dating accessories? So if that's true, and I'm not trying to kink shame anyone... Then there was a lot more to Patience than they were showing, too. So uh, she you don't see her shopping for the whip. You don't see her making it out of the scraps of the leather coat. But she has a whip. So I don't know. That perfectly matches her outfit. It wasn't brown or something. It's stolen from someone's uh, Indiana Jones outfit or anything like that. So – and she had a life. She has a weird one. But I will say – empowering as far as empowering okay you got um a woman in the lead her best friend's a woman um the main bad guy is a woman um she's a african-american woman her best friend's jewish um her um or at least the actress is i don't know what the character was um and the main male lead is a uh, descendant of uh, an indigenous family from South America, or at least her mo- his mother was. There's a lot of minorities uh, in this movie, a lot more than generally you see. So I, ca- I can say yay. But um, they also didn't make a point of any of that. They made a point of... Uh, the empowerment of the women because the, uh, uh, Sharon stone says, um, you know, something to, uh, I, I'm a woman. I'm used to, uh, doing things I don't want to do all the time or something like that. And, um, so they, that was the only point they made. And I think I made this on, uh, this point on, uh, the Spider-Man, uh, movie you and I discussed a while back there, uh, I'm glad when p- people come out and go, man, I'm glad to see someone that looks like me in media. And not so super big on it being made the point of the media. You're kind of losing, you're, you're overshooting. I like to say, okay, they cast the black woman, they pat, you know, da 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 da. But no one made a, any reference to it. It wasn't part of her character. It didn't matter. I liked that. And the same with the cop. He's obviously advanced enough that he works without a partner and is trusted with. He didn't I mean he didn't even have a supervisor. Apparently, I mean you, you see him interacting with a couple of police officers. So he's to that level in the big city PD where he's trusted to be autonomous. So he's got some power and is a minority, and um, so I, I like I I can see the empowerment there. But I'm afraid the I needed superpowers to really be empowered. That that kind of blows it a little bit. But I'm trying to figure: did it pass the Bechtel test? Were there discussions between two women that didn't talk about men? And I'm not sure it quite does because when Sharon Stone and uh, Halle Berry are talking about, and I keep I'm going to go back and forth between characters and actors, but when they're talking about their conversation they're discussing the husband the dead husband and the best friend and uh Halle Berry they keep talking about the doctor and so I don't think it quite does but I do think it for the time uh and it wasn't that long ago but it seems like it was considering what's come since uh I think uh I think they did a really fine job in that sense and I know I've gotten off the question but uh
1: there are. I'm trying to bring out the good points because there are
0: so many bad points.
1: Well, you know what? We appreciate you defending it because you know I know I'm sure there are a few listeners out there who really enjoy this film, Dave. So I'm sure they appreciate you for cry, find, trying to find the the positive points while I'm almost tearing it down. So I'm sure it, it makes for a balanced conversation.
0: Well, you know I can I can I can I can see the good. I can see the bad, but I own the movie. Exactly. Like I said, it made it to my shelf. So when my wife says, why did you buy that movie? It sucks. Well, I got to have an argument.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Right? Look, I've got Green Lantern on my shelf and folks don't understand why. But there you go. (laughs) uh...
0: I think that movie, like this movie, probably is worse to people who are true fans of the source material than it is to the general public. But when you see also what a superhero movie can be, the general public looks at this one and it doesn't do so well. And it came out when, uh, like I said, the Born Identity and iRobot came out on that week. That's Those are two great movies. Plus two really big actors. And they're well-written movies with pretty good source material the born books are weird but compared to this one tertiary character director you've never heard of um people didn't know much about it how do you how do you get how do you get them into the theater and once you were there you're gonna go man we should have we should have saw the will smith movie (laughs) Um, you know what i'm saying so it's it's sometimes it's what it's the it's like its perspective it's it's what's around you how does it look eh, you know you look out in my lawn and you see that ugly weed in the middle of it and you're going to go man that ruins your whole lawn but when you see that same weed in another setting you're like hey look at the look at the wildflowers so it's you know you're not only judged by your, your product yourself, you're judged by the Times. You know, would Lincoln have been such a great president if there hadn't been a Civil War or would he have been a failure? The Times make the man, the Times make the movie. Now, this one rolled up there broken and disabled and hobbling and tried and, you know, swinging a bunt to you know probably should have been caught but i made it to first base because it was an error to use the baseball analogy so you know it's not completely worthless
1: no no and you make a good point i mean this movie is now 17 years old and i will you know give it to you know um tip my hat to pit off for wanting to have you know um characters of diverse racial backgrounds and i think that was very forward thinking of Pitoff, so i will give him that but yeah, as I said, uh, there are just so many glaring things to me, I suppose, you know, from a critical standpoint, which just upset me so much. But let's carry on here, getting to Patience's love interest. And our main cop in this film, the aforementioned Benjamin Bratt as Detective Tom Lone, who amongst his numerous roles was not a stranger to playing a detective, if folks out there have ever watched Law & Order. So when it came to this character, Dave, also, you know, you having... You know, experience in law enforcement and stuff. What did you make of our detective Tom Lone?
0: i you know, he was capable. The one thing is, they seem
1: to rely on your knowledge
0: of police work. And I say, you're the general public, the the, the audience. They didn't try to build up his skills or anything. They just—he's a cop. You know what a cop does. Go with it. So I'm always confused knowing what law enforcement's really like and how how can it possibly work that way like he brought in evidence 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 that his girlfriend is the catwoman or at least had it did he hide it i mean he had one of the fingernails uh which by the way she didn't give back all the jewelry cuz those diamond-encrusted fingernails were uh mm. still in her possession um so I don't. I don't know. I know how it worked where I worked. You know, people kind of looked over your stuff, but generally, if no one calls in a complaint, they don't dig too deep because uh, they're all busy. Your your bosses have got a lot to go on, so keep the plates spinning. Now he is out there doing this case. Uh, he has no other cases. Big city detective. He only has the one case, and he's got a very casual approach to it. I'll get around to it and. Meanwhile, I'm going to go speak at the school to the kids, play some basketball, which that's great. That's great. You would love to see those videos. But if you ever see those videos in real life, as they say, it's not the detective. It's the street cop in his uniform. That's what appeals to the kids. They don't know what a detective is. You're a cop, but you don't wear a uniform or drive a police car. My God, you're not even a cop. Um, so it's it's a bunch of mixed messages from someone who's only seen police work from outside. But so are most police things. The the not having a boss going, hey, what about these other cases? Are you going to turn in a report? With, you know, you know what I'm saying. For every for every thirty minute police encounter, there's a two hour report system and you never see a cop at a computer ever unless they're running somebody or something they're not typing reports unless there's a point to having them in the thing having a discussion with somebody else in the police department so you know he was fine. I mean, he's as shallow as any other character in there. He he had a benefit of being in a career field that most people have an understanding of, being right or wrong, but they have an understanding of it. So he didn't have to deep there. What, what he was, though, was a people person, which is great. But I will have to knock him down. Um, okay, your girlfriend or the girl you just met that made an impression on you, she's very pretty. You're going to notice a few things about her. The next time you see her, she's gonna have a different haircut. It is the same as the bad guy. The handwriting's the same. She, he was really slow to crawl toward that. I, I mean, hear. it's really unlikely he's gonna. who's gonna be the the suspect? But okay, it did this one in a billion shot. So I don't know. Sometimes you don't see the woods for the trees or the trees for the woods, however you want to look at that. You see the details and you're missing the big picture or you see the big picture and you're missing the details. And I think we're all guilty of that, but he's a trained observer and he's awful free with, um, well, I'm starting to suspect her, but then just the slightest evidence, the handwriting expert, which by the way they had right there, in their department, not some guy you had to send stuff off and wait six weeks for. Um, He's in there explaining not the science of handwriting analysis, but the BS part of, oh, you can tell by the swoop of the O that she's a lonely person, and this person over here, she's outgoing. No, no, you can't. Um, Here's what I noticed. Your handwriting changes when you write, like, notes on a pad, you know, normal size writing versus writing big on a on a thing, but the the letters were the same. Her R's the same and her okay, well that's weird. Huh. Same haircut. Same color eyes, because I've seen her real close. <sighs> but I mean other people in the movie are doing weird stuff too. He's a cop. she's not a teacher. But She's going to drop in on the class at the school. How does she know where he was? Which classroom? She's just wandering around a public school. Wait a minute. Somebody would have run her off and probably called the cops. Hey, we got a strange lady wandering around the school. But I don't, I don't know. <laughs> it, he was fine. He was a good cop, But he's not a good cop. But you want him a little bit shallow because you want the focus on
1: her. I guess. Mm. True. Well, you know what? Thank you for making those points because I think you were the right—you're the right guy for this episode for sure, Dave. Because just like you were saying, Tom is so slow at putting things together when figuring out the patience and Catwoman are one and the same. Like you were saying, the the word "sorry," which she she had written on both the coffee cup and the bag of jewels, I was just like, dude, you can't pick up on this sooner. Also, why even go to a graphologist as it's clear that it's patience you just have to even look at it even to the naked eye and <clears throat> somebody who's not studied graphology, you can tell it's the same hand that wrote the both sorry notes, so also, I have to say that wasn't particularly smart on patience's part either to write it on both things, but whatever, but you'd think Tom would have picked up on that sooner, and other than that. You know, he does a good job as a cop, I find, and I get the writers intended for Patience to be the one to take down and Buline. but it does seem like he's pretty much duped by Laurel when it comes to the murder of her husband, George, which I suppose might be a credit to Laurel being a master manipulator and Tom being a little inept. Other than that, you know, he's just standing around and looking handsome. I mean, I get it. Benjamin Bratt is a handsome man, but he doesn't really get to do much other than those few cat and mouse games between him and Patience, you know, which could have been more of a focal point in this film. But I feel it was so sacrificed in favor of Patience going on a revenge.
0: Yeah. And I have to ask you this. Yeah. He had both of those pieces of evidence Mm -hmm. and he's going to just go to the handwriting expert. How about lifting prints? How about any of the other evidence? Or maybe I don't I don't know I don't think in two thousand four the DNA uh, levels were right. I don't know if you could have done a DNA trace off paper like that like you can now. I mean, you can find one piece of skin if you if you get lucky uh, on a piece of paper you know she drug her hand across as she wrote on. Um, you'd probably I mean, yeah, I know. I'm I'm trying to get into the movie cop too. Uh you can get those test results back in a couple hours. It would have been six months, but get them tested. The fingerprints we could have we could have we could have probably we know well Cat Woman was wearing things on her fingers. I don't know if she's leaving a lot of handprints but I would have tested it, you know. So Oh, oh! You froze up there for a second, but uh, yeah, there's a lot of things he was leaving short. But I also think that uh, my my family hates to watch cop movies with me, or army movies, or EMT movies, because I'm always like, "Oh, that's not how it works." But okay, if you're gonna be, there's enough cop TV shows on where all of those tropes come in. You got to. throw them in here too then or you do what they really do in a big city like that and you get a a real forensics team out there and you go over it and they just call the detective and say hey this is what we found huh (laughs) okay but what are you gonna do
1: yeah i guess as i said it was all about you know just look how we got halle berry scantily dressed This is our movie. (laughs) Okay. So let's get to two characters who play a big role in Patience's life. We have, like you were mentioning, Dave, Alex Borstein as Sally, whom our listeners might know from Good Night and Good Luck, A Million Ways to Die in the West, Ted, and many more. So, yes, this actress has been in some great movies. And on the other, the lady who somewhat acts as Patience's guide in navigating her persona of Catwoman, Another great actress, Frances Conroy as Ophelia Powers, whom we had actually met in this podcast in our review of Joker. She was actually, of course, Joker's mom. So when it came to these two ladies, Dave, what did you make of uh, Sally and uh, Ophelia Powers? Well, let's talk about Sally for a second. Sally's that friend
0: that you have in movies that, for the things that take place in your head, You can't do that. You can do soliloquies in a movie, but it really usually doesn't pay off. So you got to have her talk about things. And Sally's a good, a good representation of that. She's this very simple character, but the actress Alex, she Lois Griffin, um, she's uh, Miss Maisel. Uh, She's the I forget her character's name and that, but she's been in some great stuff, and I, I really like her. It's very versatile. They probably could have got a lot more out of her had they wanted to. But I think she was pretty early in her career at that point. So maybe they didn't know what they had, you know. Mm-hmm. But um I really like her. Um And I, I think she was fine. She's... I, the, the thing that bothered me about her most, she's a career woman in this firm, just like Halle Berry is, or Patience is. And her main job is to land a husband. That is an old trope that mm-hmm. maybe in the 60s was accurate. Um, I don't think in 2004 that was great, and it knocks down that empowerment one notch that we were talking about the one of the few redeeming values of the movie. So gosh, yeah, you got two females on the, on the side of good leading the movie. You got a female lead the other side and you're going to make one of them, a, one out of the three, uh, just, just out to find a man. Lord Bechtel test out the window gone. <laughs> so I don't know. She was fine. She 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 filled the role. Uh, Ophelia, by the way, great comic book name. Yes. And by the way, her weirdness goes a little deeper than on the surface. You notice who doesn't just put a tag on their cat? They roll up a piece of paper and put it inside her collar. And who but Patience finds it. Right. And it pops right out with the woman's name and phone number on it. I have a dog that I love like nobody else. And her collar says, Callie Lou and my phone number. That's it. Not my address. Not my, you know, resume. None of that. I'm like, wow, that's crazy. But you need her to go and see and figure out what's going on with her. And Ophelia apparently knows. And she's, I guess she, she, provides that for the movie but maybe it's my personality i don't know but i i don't think i would have been intrigued enough to come back for the second visit with her <laughs> so i don't know i don't know how Halle berry is but she is the only source of information you know my grandmother had a 19 50's world book encyclopedia at home and I had to look something up and I went to that encyclopedia not because it was the greatest source it was the only source to look something up back in the day so you go to who's available this woman had an answer it was ridiculous on the surface but you gotta have that person do you though? Spider-Man didn't he did. He just woke up with powers and had to figure them out Halle Berry could have discussed it with herself because she had the split personalities. but That would have been like Venom-like, but I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if she's even aware of the other personality. Who knows what her what her read is when she's uh, you know in the other personality? So I don't know. So Ophelia provided that. I thought the biggest weakness of that transaction is you get to, you see all the pictures of all the past. Cat women, but it's the same pictures from the beginning of the movie and the, the opening credits. I'm like, well, change the opening credits or change what you're showing her in the end or show them longer or explain the pictures or something. Make it different. It That, that was just a redundancy that made that whole thing. I was like, oh, no. So...
1: Yeah.
0: I, I, the characters were fine they were superficial but perhaps they needed to be but you know what usually if you have superficial characters in a movie it's because you're going to develop other characters Uh, you just have a whole room of superficial characters in this movie
1: yeah very much so i mean and if my you know co-hosts from gold standard rachel and zan were here they would be agreeing with you a hundred percent dave because I think the big problem of Sally is literally that is that her existence seems to be defined by the men that she wants to date and by men and not by the person that she is, which, like you said, is a very, very old trope from way back when. And but but she did remind me a little of the relationship between Peter Parker and Ned in the MCU films as Sally is literally Patience's bestie. And though we, you know, don't get too much of them together, it's clear that she is pretty much the only friend that Patience actually has, which goes beyond the office. And I guess they avoided Patience going to Sally with her whole Catwoman deal by making Sally sick due to Buleen. But that would have been kind of nice. Other than that, you know, I guess she's also the comedic relief. And even though the writing in this is just so cringeworthy, I do feel that Alex Borstein brought her game to this and made the best of a bad situation when it comes to Ophelia powers. I mean, we know what an insanely good actress, Frances Conroy is for those who have seen American horror story. This woman is amazing. And if you've seen Joker, you know what, how, what a great actress she is. And she does play <coughs> mystical cat lady, pretty good, but, Other than mainly being, like you were saying, a narrative device to give us the backstory on the mythical lore of the Catwoman, I do feel that her talent was just wasted in this film, as it was a missed opportunity on her being more of a mentor to Patience. And heck, it would have been nice to know why she has all this knowledge. Was she also a Catwoman or is she just a crazy cat lady? Is she an otherworldly figure entrusted with this knowledge what is her deal? Once again, writers, please fill in the blanks for us. So I just thought it was a major waste of something which could have been so intriguing. And yeah, you just, there are just so many questions. I get you have to be enigmatic. It's like, oh, who is this woman? Why does she know this stuff? Give us some answers. I mean, okay, we can, you can leave it to the audience to make up their own movie, but a little bit of character development doesn't hurt, you know? Indeed. And,
0: well, I mean, how much much character development can you give Ophelia if you didn't give Catwoman any? (laughs) Ouch! (laughs) Because, I mean, think about it. Her other big superhero role is Storm in the X-Men, the early X-Men movies. I know just as much about Storm as I know about Catwoman from the movies. And she was a part of a five or six man team. She never had her own movie. They did just as much character development, maybe more of her character in the X-Men than they did in a movie where she's the star. And she's out there now they explored her powers and they explored. Now she's able to conquer her problems. She had before the partying neighbors, but they didn't develop, they didn't talk anything about, well, what are your hopes? Where are you trying to go? Are you going back to school to be the artist? Are you planning on? Are you saving money to leave the company? Well, I mean, they don't really explore. Other than she has other dreams, but she's going to work every day, like all of us do. They don't. Does she have a family? Does she have? You know, what are her dreams? Is she, is she? dating anyone other than the cop i mean there's nothing there's nothing you don't know anything about her she has an apartment all of her own which says she's moderately successful considering she lives in a new york-like city um i am not even sure what city they're living in Uh, if they said i didn't pick up on it i assume it's gotham in the in the book or in the books but so i'm gonna go with new york because that's what it kind of looks like, even though I don't think it was filmed much there. But um, it's got a big city. So she's, she's moderately successful. She's single. She has a friend. Her only friend is somebody she works with, not a social friend that she knows from outside. She doesn't like her neighbors. She doesn't know any of them. So how are they going to give Ophelia more depth when they didn't give her any, you know?
1: I but- agree.
0: All you would have had to do was put in a line. She's like, you know, this dead-end job. I I don't have time for friends. The only person I even talk to is the person that sits next to me. I'm frustrated with my job. My boss is an ass. Just that kind of frustrated thoughts in her head while she's walking somewhere would have developed her character. You would have had the same level of reality on the screen, but she'd have gone, oh, well, that's all there is to her. There are people like that. So that would have been way more believable. They don't tell you anything about it at all
1: no it's no. it's I really sort of blame it on the writers more than Pitoff because I think Pitoff doesn't do a bad job as a director in, per se I think it's the the folks in the writers' room. I don't know if they these chaps are still working or if they've done that you know they've progressed since then, but this movie. It just doesn't cut it. So let's get to the darker side of the table here, Dave, starting with our corporate owner of Hedair Beauty. We have Lambert Wilson as George Hedair, who other than having done tons of films in his native France, you may know him from The Matrix Reloaded and The Matrix Revolutions. So when it came to our corporate leader, what did you make of George?
0: Um... There are several big companies right now that people like to talk about in the media. And I'm not going to, I don't know who your sponsors are. So I'm not going to call out any ones that are named after uh, big rivers in South America or <laughs> any other giant corporations that you think, man, these guys would sell their mothers to make another 30 bucks. Or, you know, he's that guy. And just like, um, uh, Tom Lone as a cop you know what his character is going to be like this guy is the CF or you know chief of a big corporation and they let that explain they let your idea of what that must be like explain his character so he is that He's very one-dimensional. He gives nothing else. The only thing he cares about, other than making the next dollar, is getting laid. He's got his girlfriend. He's hired a young, a young impressionable, and does the whole "what not to do" PSA for HR. Think like, you know? It's considered a requirement of your job. I, I, he, I mean, he, 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 he pulls it off, but. He it, it's a thin layer. I mean, he's there's no depth to it, he has no motivation other than money, so that's eh, fine. But
1: he's it, not memorable, you know? <laughs> yeah, I totally. don't, I mean, because he's obviously certainly not the villain of this picture, and he's definitely more of the fall guy when it comes to filmers but he's definitely not a nice guy either. And I did like the point that. Even though you might not be the nicest guy, it, you're not necessarily the villain either. Because there are, of course, people in in life that we've encountered who might not be the most pleasant, but they're not evil. And I like that you know at least appreciate this of, from the writers and pit off that you have a guy who's very just just nasty, but he's not a murderer and he's not a, a you know a criminal, but he's pretty much like you were saying. I agree. He's your stereotypical corporate boss who's just incredibly dismissive of his staff and it's all about profit though as we find out in the movie he barely has any idea of what is going on behind the scenes of his own company and it's actually his wife who's running the show as he's too busy like yelling at patients or like you were saying sleeping with the next face of Hedaya Beauty and it's clear that he's an incredibly, that he's just, it's just they're in an incredibly estranged marriage. And I cannot to a certain extent, blame his wife, Laurel for being bitter and going behind his back as he's happy to just toss her away from being the face of the company in favor of a younger model. Though at the same time, it seems to me that as much as he would like to think so, Laurel wears the pants in their relationship. Because if you notice, even when when Patience goes to the office, he's yelling at her, and she's like, oh, George, stop it. You know that she's talented. He changes his tune very quickly. Granted, okay, later on, he actually goes to slap Laurel, but it seems like he listens to her. He might be a little bit, shall we say, um, not subservient, but he does listen to her. In the sense, he's almost she's the only one who can actually call him George and make fun of him. And he might actually listen. So I did like that. But uh, but yeah, he's just very much like you he's just so one-dimensional. And uh, he's just your corporate boss. So, okay, I guess. Well, he's,
0: I mean, there's some weirdness to his character too. He He's out there chastising a, a worker bee employee. Darn't there 15 layers of management in that company? I got the impression it was a big old corporation. Yeah. Um, there, there should have been five people between him and her. He shouldn't have been out there chewing her out on the floor. He should have brought her in the office and yelled at her. But he's an idiot. Now, they could have fixed some of this with a couple of lines of dialogue from Sharon Stone's character with, yeah, you know, when I married him, I met him in school and it's my company, I got it from my family, or whatever, you know, or I worked it up from whatever, and I met him at a thing, and it's gone to his head, and now he's sleeping around, or you know what I'm trying to say, make her be the reason, and make him shallow because he was somebody that didn't know what he was doing, and now he's rich and powerful, and okay, I can buy that, but if if you're supposed to believe he's a Donald Trump or Jeff Bezos or uh, any other head of industry, then he'd have to be way smarter than that. I can guarantee you with all the horror stories you hear about any one of those bosses that they're not going to go out there and just alienate all their employees at one time by yelling at the one on the floor. You just, Go out and you fire her and send her on. I mean, I'm sure you can find another artist. I'm sure there's schools dumping out 30 or 40 a a, a year, even from the smallest art school that are capable of doing an acceptable job. So he's an idiot. He doesn't know what he's doing, but somehow he's successful at it. So my only guess is she had to be the boss from way back, from before – uh, they met, or at least she ran it from the beginning and it was a partnership. But um, they don't build on that. They could have, but they didn't. Um, no. yeah. She In one line, and to further the women empowerment thing, she could have said something along the lines of I needed a man to be the face of this corporation, and I'm going to run it from behind the scenes. And that was our agreement from the beginning. She could have had that same uh, opinion of his abilities and his philandering and all of that. And it would have paid off a lot better. And it would have only taken a couple of minutes of somebody to think, really? Would I work for this guy? Even if I was getting paid, well. I mean, you know, a, 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 a coworker of mine at a previous job said something along the lines, you either got to have a job that is so pleasurable to do, or it's gotta be so empowering to your private life, it's unpleasant. So you can either go out and find your dream job and every day you go to work, it's dreamland, or it's got um, my t- time, I can do whatever the hell I want, enjoy myself. So the, the, he, the, I, I'm guessing in, his, in that company, that he pays them all so super well because none of them leave. It was underwritten, underacted, piece of the, the plot. He's only to be misleading to the point that you think he's the bad guy, but he's not
1: very very well put i totally agree uh so yeah let's get to our main villain and this was a surprise sharon stone a lady who needs no introduction whatsoever as laurel hadare so when it came to our main villain dave what did you make of, of the character of laurel and were you surprised that they had sharon stone of all people in this film
0: You know, Sharon Stone's been one of those actresses. She just shows up and stuff. And there are people who are super fans of hers and love her and everything they see her in. I've never had that relationship with her. I don't dislike her. I'm just like, oh, that's Sharon Stone. Because she's so versatile. She can fit in so many different places. Um, I've never followed her career and been like, oh, the new Sharon Stone movie's out. But she's, she's a good actress. I've never seen... I've never seen a part where she was horrible in. She usually does pretty good as long as she fits the part. They underwrote her, but she did all right with what they gave her. Um, she didn't, you know, you have actors that show up and, you know, read their, read their lines off uh, hidden cue cards, but you still pay to go see them because they are the big name and I'm not calling out any particular actors, but she seems like a genuinely good actress. Her character was calculating and, uh, doing what she needed to do to survive. If it was lash yourself to a man that can be the face of the company, but I'm going to take it where I want to go with it. She can do that too. And and clearly he's a utility player to her. Um, He keeps, she keeps him around. I don't know if that's because it's his money and she needs him to keep the company going or is it some other reason, but clearly that company's only successful because of her. Clearly, because we've already discussed, he didn't do it. He doesn't have the skills to do it. He couldn't run a a shop on the corner with three employees. So she's clearly, she's clearly keeping all the plates spinning. Now she's over 40 and frustrated with certain things. And I think she's ready for that next level. And she's maybe frustrated with not being there before. Um, She's, she's frustrated with, you know, getting older and all that. I get that. That was an important part. Um, of her character, but she 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 wants to be successful, and she's decided I'm gonna finally I'm gonna do this, whatever, no holds barred. And she's very calculating. She's quick on her feet. She catches Catwoman in her house. She doesn't shoot her, and instantly she's already got a plan cooking. And she's all right. I'm gonna frame Catwoman for the murder of my husband. I mean, clearly she had to think of it right then because she instantly switches into cooperation, but not really. So. I liked her. They wrote her better than most of the other characters in there. Um, and it didn't take that much because she's not on the screen as much as Halle Berry's character. So clearly there was somebody that knew how to write.
1: Exactly.
0: <laughs> the Actress. So yeah. I, yeah,
1: I think, her. yeah, I think it doesn't really take much because, you know, we actually mentioned this off and I kind of, likened her to what idris elba did for ghost rider spirit of vengeance as bad of a movie that is i agree with you i feel that sharon does the same thing for this film because as mediocre as the story is and the dialogue being rather poor sharon i think being the awesome actress she is just brings her a game to the table and as at first i was actually on her side as she seemed to be defending patience and you do wonder whether she was the one who had actually hired her as she recognizes her talent and she rec she defies George and his initial choice to fire her. And you could have almost had a kinship there because both of them are in a situation where you're literally a woman in a man's world where, you know, sh- um, Laurel has to, you know, kind of do everything from the shadows and run the company because she is a woman. I think the, the, the point the movie is making is it's a, it's a man's world, And so women have to do everything in the dark, if you will. And Catwoman obviously is free when she's at night. And maybe that's the whole thing. Maybe I'm getting a bit pretentious here, but maybe it could just be that is that. Women have to do everything in the shadows and show their power in the shadows. So it could be that there could have been a kinship for both being struggling women, trying to find their feet and be recognized. But other than that, um, she's the only one who has no qualms, also t- talking back to George or defying his decisions. And she made for an interesting villain as it, she's clearly a master manipulator, like you were saying. But I did find that the concept of buline makes your skin hard as granite a little bit weird, because if you have face cream that makes your face almost literally indestructible, I was like, wow, okay. And uh, where did she learn how to fight? I mean, I guess she, you know, obviously was a model, an ex-model, and so kept herself in shape. Maybe she had a personal trainer. I don't know. Because when she's fighting Catwoman, you're like, wow, she really has some skills. So you think it would have been, you know, even a throwaway scene of her kickboxing with her personal trainer. You're like, okay, I get it. She blows off steam by kickboxing. It would have been as simple as that. But, uh, and cause she gives patients quite a run for the money, uh, for her money when it comes to their showdown. And she's so ruthless and she's psychotic. And to Sharon's credit, she plays this role to perfection. And I suppose it is a bit tired. <clears throat> the whole concept of you're getting old, you're losing your looks. It almost might be a criticism towards the fact of, you're still valuable, or you're still a wonderful per- woman, even if you're no longer 21. So I, you know, she was obviously chasing the fountain of youth, and I get that. And it, it and I think it maybe had it been written better, it could have been a great commentary on models getting older and struggling with the fact of finding work as they get older because. They may be not as gorgeous as they used to be, or as young as they used to be, or as shapely as they used to be. It could have worked. And I get that. But the only, I, I mean, Sharon did a fabulous job. What I just did not get was you have a cream that makes your face like punchable and you can take punches. All right. I mean, that was just, that was just really kind of, just kind of took me out of the film. And as I said, where the hell did Laurel learn how to fight? That was my one big gripe with this. I mean, yeah. were you surprised that she knew how to fight so well? Uh,
0: you know, it never occurred to me, to be honest with you. But yeah, Catwoman has superpowers, and she holds her own. And they could have fixed it um, so easily. There's a scene where Sharon Stone's staring out the window, and she looks at her husband getting in the car with the, the model, even though he was supposedly at the factory, um, that they could have put her in workout gear and had the trainer like, well, after this workout, I got to go do other stuff. And and that it, that was all it would have taken. Or uh, a, a martial arts gi or something that suggests fighting. You're right. So, yeah, I, I missed that myself. But, uh, yeah, okay. Your skin's so hard, it doesn't even show the impact of the guy's fist. I mean doesn't even move your head. If I punch a marble statue, it's still gonna move it. I might break my hand, but it's gonna move it. They're not super massive. But I can still talk and my skin can move for that? Wait a minute. Wouldn't it crack? But yeah, you're right. It's ridiculous. It's a ridiculous premise. And they could have done that better too. Uh I don't I I would have sat down and There had to be two or three people on the crew of this movie and going, what? (laughs) What? I I I don't get it. It just makes her face hard? Well, okay. When skin gets hard, it turns into leather. When he hit her, it should have made a big dent is what it should have done. Or it turned it into marble. Then, yeah, she couldn't talk. Yeah, no, I, I, yeah, I'm a problem with that. Now her insecurity about her age and so forth, that's natural. Even ugly people, uh, get, uh, speaking as an ugly person, uh, you, you, still worry about your, uh, your looks to a, to a point, maybe it's not your, your, oh my gosh, I'm not as awesome looking, but, oh, my hair's getting thin, or I'm putting on some pounds. Everybody has that deterioration fear. So that seemed pretty okay. And I know feminists might frown on somebody making looks so important in her life, but she's in the industry where looks are the business. So I'm okay with that. And it speaks to the fact that how, how many 60 plus actresses are there in uh uh hollywood that are still getting leading roles so you know there's there's a there's a uh there's a vanity that is a part of the movie industry that uh that it's hard to ignore um they're making they're remaking uh tom cruise's uh Airplane movie. Why am I drawing a to? Top, Top gun. gun? Kelly McGillis isn't in it. Why? They can't have her in a cameo? Um, so, I mean, that's a natural thing to point out. And I, I like Sharon Stone, like I said. And she's, I don't know, she's still gorgeous right now. So I don't know how old she is. but uh, and I And she pulls off being the... I really don't care what's going on around me. Uh, I can tolerate it because it's a necessity. I'm going to keep this company going to where I want it to be. And one day they'll look and you'll forget that there was even a man to be a part of it. Well, great. But you got to remember also people are terrible. Um, I I forget her name because I'm an American and we do, but uh, the, 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 the German president or Prime Minister. what? What's oh, Ang-
1: Angela Merkel.
0: Okay, Angela Merkel. She came to America a few years ago, and I remember the news talking about what her clothing, what she was wearing. I've never heard them talk about a, a male leader, and the the point being, oh, man, where does he get his suits made? Now, uh, well, they did say that about Trump sometime. I heard somebody saying that he gets them cut wrong for a man of his size. He got them cut wrong. But that's not the same thing as... Ooh, who's she wearing? But you know what I'm saying. So the, I'm not a woman. I don't live in that world. It's it's interesting that on top of everything else she's got to worry about, she's also got to worry about losing her look. So I don't know, it's the burden of the beautiful. <laughs>
1: Exactly, And Sharon, if you're listening, you're still just as gorgeous as uh, as you ever were. You're still a beautiful, beautiful woman. And we still love you very, very much, even if you were in Catwoman. And speaking actually of ratings, then, Dave, what do you give this film out of 10? I'm very curious.
0: Oh, you know, I purposely did not sit down and come up with a rating. Um, I'm going to give it... I have to give it at least a passing grade. So I'll give it a six. Maybe six and a quarter. Hmm. Um, Just because, A, it's of a genre I like, and it's not horrible until you rip it apart and start trying to examine it on all the ultra-fine levels like we did today. I still think this is a watchable movie. I own it, like I said. I own it on disc and on streaming. So it's clearly it's also part of a collection. It's part of the DC universe, which I'm not even a DC guy, but I like I like comic book movies. So it's passable. I've seen much worse. I mean, if you want to go back and watch the 1978 movie of Captain America, they can all be bad. And even Marvel's. Marvel's presentation of that year was the uh uh the aborted Punisher movie with uh John Travolta in it and I can't even remember the actor that played the Punisher. Um I wrote it in my notes though cuz I thought it was a good point. Um not important. But uh So I mean they were building to something no one has decided at this point what a a uh, superhero movie or comic book movie is supposed to be sure. superman came out in 1978 and sort of set the uh set the set the bar pretty high special effects in this movie wasn't quite up to that even even though this is a couple of decades later because some of that stop action stuff was letting me down a little. So, I mean, it does have some redeeming, for, but I'm sitting here wearing my Dr. Who shirt. I love Dr. Who, even the classic Dr. Who, and there's no show with worse effects than classic Dr. Who, but I still love it. So I can forgive a lot of stuff in a movie of my chosen genre uh, but it's not great.
1: It's not a great one, but there's worse. I agree. But you know what? I think the big difference also with Doctor Who in the classic is you can almost forgive it because this it's the story that drives it all. And, and, the, the, special, stri- and the special effects in inverted commas are almost an extra. Because I think the, the beauty about Doctor Who is even the old stories is that the, the dialogue is great. The acting is great. So it almost is like, you know, okay. the 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 special effects are what they are. They are forgivable. There are some there are some terrible Doctor Who episodes, but I think what redeems it is the stories, which is why you almost forgive the 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 wonky effects. Here, I think y- y- I believe when it came to the Punisher, you were meant you were referring to Thomas Jane, who was yeah. in that. Uh, who was in? Who, we actually reviewed that film, and it was actually a, It was that's a, that's a, another curious movie that we that we discussed. But yeah, I, I you know Thomas Jane. You know we could go on a whole tangent about what I feel about uh, what Thomas Jane did when it came to the Punisher character. But I agree with you. I'm a, I'm actually going to give this a passing grade myself. It's a six and a half out of ten. And as I mentioned when it came to Spider Man three. If you are with your buddies and you can meet up and everything else, and you can order like pizza or like chicken wings or whatever part of the world you're in, you can you can do like a back-to-back. You watch Spider-Man 3, you watch Catwoman, throw in Green Lantern even, and you can just and if you can consume adult beverages, it'll be a heck of a night because you'll be watching these movies and enjoying company with friends. You know, it's not The Dark Knight Rises, it's not Citizen Kane. It's entertainment. And I think what I will give this film, like you were saying, we're looking at it through a critical eye. If it's you want entertainment, it's definitely entertaining. It's not a boring movie. You're not going to be yawning while you watch this film. It is entertaining. So if you want just pure popcorn entertainment, I think Catwoman very much fits that mold. So it's six and a half out of 10 for me. So let's get to recommendations here, Dave. Did you have any comics you wanted to recommend or anything tangential to Catwoman that you think, you think folks should check out if they've watched this film?
0: Not really. Um, I think she is a minor enough character in every other thing. It was weird to make a movie all about, about her. I mean, she's a f- that character is a feature in the old Batman TV show from the 60s. She's a, She's a feature in the uh the Mm -hmm. batman's uh from the 70s and 80s so i recommend any movie like any show like that that has her in there and uh she can be a good utility hitter um come to work and as we saw in the uh the Batman of the 80s, she can be swung either way as good or bad. She's kind of her own boss. She doesn't fall into a mold, which people of today uh, gotta respect. But I don't, I can't name a specific comic or anything where I think she's been fluffed out. And I don't know enough DC to really even know if there was, was there ever just a title of Catwoman comics? I imagine she's always just been a recurring, uh, uh pawn for uh batman so you know
1: i no i i agree i mean i do think folks definitely do check out batman returns of course with michelle pfeiffer of course as catwoman and in the upcoming batman movie which will be coming out next year 2022 we'll be having zoe kravitz playing this character so i guess we'll see what zoe can can make of uh of uh of catwoman But uh, comic book wise, if you do want to check out more about Catwoman on the printed page, I would suggest you check out the Catwoman series, volume two, issues 12 through 19, entitled Relentless. In this series of stories, Catwoman finds out that being a Robin Hood to the people of Gotham's East End can gain her the enmity of Gotham's vilest villains. And in this collection, Black Mask takes his revenge out on Catwoman by striking at those closest to her, including her sister and her friend Holly. Characters obviously are forced to make unsettling decisions in this gripping collection, which is written by Ed Brubaker, with art by Cam Stewart and Javier Pulido. That's Catwoman Relentless. So, of course, dear listeners, if you want to be like the wonderful Dave and join us here on the show to discuss me of your choice, feel free to shoot us an email. That's happinessindarknesshow at gmail.com. We also appreciate your thoughts and feedback. You can reach out to us also at happinessanddarknesshow@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Feel free to show your support by giving us like on Facebook, where you'll find us as Happiness in Darkness. Follow us on Twitter. We're at High Darkness Pod. Also, if you'd like to support the podcast and feeling generous, you can check out the great tiers we have going on on Patreon. There you'll be able to pick films that go outside of what are considered regular superhero movies, or even just films inspired by comics like 300, or I Kill Giants, or Death Note, or even films which inspired comics like the Aliens franchise, Robocop, Terminator, and more. Check all that out and join our army of patrons. Head on over to patreon.com slash Darkness. And when it comes to you, Dave, where can our listeners find you and the wonderful things that you do?
0: You know, I've been toying with Get out there in the public world more and more. But uh, so far, all I have is an Instagram and a uh, Facebook, um, David K. Proctor. Um, I'm out there. I've made a couple of friends through the few podcasts I've been on. And so forth so i appreciate it if i see somebody that has that i wish when they did friend requests on those formats though they would i, I would have an idea who they were because sometimes from my previous career i don't naturally slide toward just letting people in to see my private thoughts which begs the question of why do you put your thoughts out there then but yeah i've 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 enjoyed the contacts I've made in this little world. And uh, uh, so I'm out there if you want to find me, but uh, I'm not as prolific as most.
1: Well, folks, definitely check out the, the the great things that, of course, Dave has done. He's, of course, been on multiple podcasts, aside, of course, from this one. You can hear him, on, of course, on Next Up Everywhere. And big shout out to, of course, Charles and Jesse from Next Up Everywhere. When it comes to me, for you country music lovers, I do host the radio show Whiskey and Cigarettes, where we play all sorts of country under the sun. For more information about that, visit our website, whiskeyandcigarettesshow.com. Podcast-wise, if you want to check out our other project, Gold Standard, the Oscars movie podcast, where with co-hosts Zan Sprouse and Rachel Friend. We're reviewing all the movies that won the Oscar for Best Picture, from 1927's Wings to Present Day. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter. Also, if you are of the Instagram persuasion, you can find out all the crazy stuff I get up to on Instagram by following me on DJ Nictogram. And speaking of uh, Charles Skaggs, him and I can be found on both The Fandom Zone, where we uh, talk all superhero TV shows. We wrapped up Loki on there and have now switched over to Titan Talk, the Titans podcast, where we're discussing the late- latest season of Titans and the upcoming season of Doom Patrol. And when it comes to this show, next time, speaking of dual personalities, we will be taking on the 2021 Andy Serkis film, Venom, Let There Be Carnage. That said, when it comes to you, Dave, it's always a joy having you on the podcast. And we definitely look forward to having you back very, very soon. So thanks again for your time.
0: I appreciate you having me. You're, you have some of the most fascinating podcast that i've ever listened to and you're one of the most fascinating people every time we get together to do these podcasts we have as much unrecorded as we have recorded where we're talking and finding out things about each other i think that's wonderful you keep up the good work out there uh i, I really enjoy listening to your uh podcast this one and when titan talk i can't go quite that deep in the dc world i'm waiting for you to come back to a marvel uh Project. I'm looking forward to hearing you guys come back to Fandom
1: Zone. So uh, keep us surprised. Oh, oh, we certainly will. Well, uh, Charles and I are very much speaking of the MCU world. We're very excited about Hawkeye, which we will be covering, dear listeners, on, of course, the Fandom Zone, because him and I are big fans of the Matt Fraction comics, from which that is in- inspired. So we will be, of course, covering Hawkeye on there. That said, of course, when it comes to you uh, folks here on Happiness and Darkness, we will see you next time with Venom Let There Be Carnage. Until then, stay super. Ciao, my people.